Hey everyone, this is Flippin' Finance. I'm Sam Hissamore, and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. We have a guest today. Andre, would you like to say hi? Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today is May 10th, 2023. Today we're covering a real-life example of estate planning, insurance, and other things when you're working with an advisor. But as always, before that, Fabian kicked the exclusion music. As always, none of this is investment advice. This does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Valeo Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only. And things change, so we have no duty to go back and revise any of this information. So, Andra, was that a good disclosure for you? Are you excited yeah. now? After you? Okay, good. You're still with us. Absolutely. So, so Andra is actually a coworker of mine. We've gotten um, to know each other a little bit. We're smashing friends at the office. And... How about you just introduce yourself real quick? How long have you been at Vallejo? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been kind of involved with Vallejo since 2017. I did a job shadow day there and then kind of never left. So started my internship back in the beginning of 2018 um, and then been full-time since the summer of 2018. So I've been a CFP for about three years now um, and just kind of working my way up with my book of business. Okay. So you're... You're an OG Vallejo advisor. I am what they call a transitional advisor. So we both have little different uh, paths, but both trying to do the same thing, build up our business and uh, help our clients succeed with whatever they're trying to do. Oh, but, yeah. OG from the old office over here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen the old office, but I've heard, you know, we've moved up in the world. Oh, um, yeah. And... If you're a frequent listener to this, uh, a common refrain I have is eating your financial veggies, doing estate planning, taking care of insurance. You could have the most rock star portfolio in the world, and that's what people like to talk about at cocktail parties and things like that. But some of the things that really matter when things don't go as expected is estate planning and insurance. And you have a unique story that I thought would be great. I've not really prepped Fabian at all, so you'll probably get his real reaction of your life story and kind of how you help clients because of your story. And I think it's a really impactful one for real life example of why these things we talk about are extremely important. You know, broccoli is, is great. Everyone should have a little bit. Um, so with that kind of explain a little bit of as much as you'd like to your experience and why this is so important to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, Moved to Indianapolis in 2018, started full-time, um, and at that point in time, I was dating a military pilot. Uh, his name was Scott, and we ended up um, kind of just doing the whole long-distance thing for about two years. Moved down to Mississippi. Vallejo allowed me to work remotely, which was phenomenal. Um, COVID, unfortunately, did help me um, just because everyone was working remotely at the time. Um, so, yeah, we everything was going perfectly fine. Um, life was you know, as good as it could get, right? Moved down to Mississippi um, in 2020 in May. Um, and about eight months later, Scott dies tragically um, in a military aircraft accident. So I learned at 24 years old just how fragile and short life can be, um, but also the unexpected planning that happens with all of your life when things like that happen. So, yeah, I didn't really prep Fabian for that. So you're going to get his real reaction but as a 24-year-old, were you guys thinking about state planning? I know the military is, is usually pretty good with like, hey, if you're going to active combat, have a will, here's some resources. Mm -hmm. But um, at 24, were you guys thinking about that? Were you guys thinking about insurance? 
Is anyone so, helping you with that? Type so thing? yes to no. Um, it was really wild timing when it comes to estate planning. So, you know, when you do the CFP, they kind of advise you like, hey, if you have clients um, that don't have kids and they're young and they're married, like they don't really need estate planning documents, which I learned very quickly having to go through probate and sit in the court and testify. Hold on a well, second. Yeah, you're what, good. what is probate? Why, why do we as advisors say, oh my God, do you want to avoid probate? So probate is when you get to go to the court and basically tell them and convince them that you are the heirs um, of the person who died. So um, I ended up, Scott didn't have a will. So I had to basically go to court and testify with an attorney that said, hey, you know, this is Scott's only heir, Audra. They had no children. This is how long they were together, um, things like that. So, you know, it, it happens within about three months um, of the passing if you're kind of on top of it can happen within three months of the person passing, um, but you've got to wait 90 days for creditors and then also mm-hmm. like a notification to heirs as well. Um, if you had any children or um, anything like that or any other ex-wives or something that felt they were um, entitled to any of his assets have about 90 days. So so one, you're going through the grieving process, which is mm-hmm. horrible by itself. And then two, you're dealing with probate and public courts who, I mean, they mean the best thing possible, but they have procedures they have to follow. And there's no way you're really accelerating any of that process on top of it. Correct? Correct. Yep. Yep. And so then that, if you have a nice attorney like me, they get you in at eight in the morning so you don't have to sit there all day. Um, but otherwise, you're just kind of in the long laundry list of people sitting at the court. And um, there's a couple arguing about their divorce in the back while I'm sitting there, you know, testifying that I'm Scott's heir. So it's just a whole um, kind of wild range of emotions. But I definitely lucked out on at least getting to be the first one in and out of the court that day. And then typically when things are locked up in probate, um, let's say you did have kids and whatever money or access or accounts you needed in those first 30, 60 days, typically it's tied up, correct? Yeah, Yeah, correct. So I unfortunately didn't have that situation. Um, I'm not sure why USAA didn't lock our account. I don't know if it's because it was a military accident or what, but I um, did have access to that, thankfully. But that's where all the money came into. So, you know, if I had any, like the death gratuity and things like that, I wouldn't have had access to that if it was locked up. So that would not have been ideal. Yeah. In a typical situation, if you don't have things properly set up, you're you while you're dealing with everything, you also mm-hmm. can't get access to the money. Correct. Yeah. So I cut you off a little bit and talked about probate and why we hate it, but I think it's important <laughs> to understand you you doing part of your estate planning is part of the probate process up front. Correct. So you got get your will, get your trust, whatever you need, but there's other things too involved with that, right? Yes. Yeah. So something that um we unfortunately didn't have was beneficiaries updated, which you would think as a certified financial planner, I would have been kind of on top of that. But, um, you know, he died within eight months of us getting married. And it was just one of those things that you thought you had more time and also just didn't, you know, kind of in that honeymoon phase of coming yeah. together and finally getting married. You just don't think to update those things that quick. Um, and we'd actually had a conversation. He passed in February and we had a conversation in January. Uh, I had just updated my beneficiaries and then we had um, logged in to see if we could update his life insurance and it didn't end up working out. Well, I couldn't do it online. And then he just never, never got it updated before he passed away. When you're doing estate planning with clients, what else are you doing besides will? Because I know we're, uh, I like to say, uh, this will be the fun part. We, we, yeah. we, we're thinking about your untimely demise and 
there's other things that go into it beyond will trust. But what if like people are just apprehensive based on your experience now? Are you just, you just like kind of put your hands on the table and be like, look, this is just as important, if not more important than everything we have going on right now. And we need to get this taken care of. And you kind of not pull, but use your experience of like, this is what happens when you don't have things set up and we can have kids to care, care mm-hmm. for, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like, absolutely. Definitely. Like all of my clients understand and, and know the story um, that I've gone through now um, and are definitely more apt, I think, to get those, you know, those documents in place. And I think the major ones that are super important um, and you know, this are, you know, power of attorney. So healthcare power of attorney, if you can't speak for yourself, you want your wishes to be known. Um, and something that I never used to put time and importance um, is also your kind of your death wishes. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Because some people are very particular about those things. And if you don't have those written down, um, it's kind of just up to your family. Um, and so especially like elderly clients, if they don't have a plot bought yet, just getting that done. Um, so the family doesn't have to worry about maybe where, you know, what cemetery their loved one wants to be buried at, different things like that um, are just really important to start thinking through for everybody. So Fabian, do you have that? Do you have your plot picked out? No. In the backyard? <laughs> no. I, you know, I've never, I've never thought about where I would want to be buried. Oh, I know where it is. I'm going to go up to Christian. I'm just going to spread them in the CrossFit gym. You know, we're gonna, <laughs> which, which one? Exactly. This is good. Which I was going to travel around the country and I just won't tell them. I'll just, you know, just dump a little bit of you out at each little gym I go into. Good. <laughs> my, my grandmother took it to the whole other level. She had the plot. She had the ceremony planned out. She had the hymns and everything planned out and it was all neat and ready to go. You know, I don't know many clients that do that, but the stress that it takes off of the family members trying to play that out though oh. um, is tremendous. So that's, oh. that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it was kind of sad too. Cause like she did it like 80 and she lived for a little while longer, but really like, how long? Why are you playing with this grandma? Oh, I do want to ask a quick question to go back something to go back to something that you mentioned, and we've talked about this before, Sam, but you talked about updating beneficiaries. Um, you, you covered life insurance. So two questions here. How easy is it to update your beneficiaries and where else should people look to update beneficiaries other than just life insurance? Yes. Yeah, so that's a, definitely a loaded question. So it can be as easy on most websites as just logging into your account. So for example, your brokerage accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks, um, those, can, those are usually as easy as you know making sure you have an online account and then going in there um, and updating those. And it is quite um, mind-blowing, the amount of beneficiaries that are just zero. Um, people just don't don't have beneficiaries um, listed, which is pretty, pretty wild. Um, so it usually is that easy. Military can get kind of complicated. Um, sometimes you can go onto the DOD website and um, get it updated. In our case, it didn't let us, but I know other people that um, have been successful also doing like pay on death or um, things like that on checking accounts is also great. Um, you usually have to ask for those, though. I've not had much success just kind of doing that on my login. Um, but some some banks do that um, well as well. Is the the value add of a Valeo advisor that they're going to sit down with you at least once a year and look at your estate plan? Because most people, when I meet them, oh, yeah, we did an estate plan. You know, when was Jimmy born? 
yeah, like eight years ago, you know, we haven't touched it, which means that they haven't really looked at the beneficiary forms, which means that they have any insurance that's really not taken care mm-hmm. of. Walk me through how you as an advisor look at that. Yeah, so I'm doing it once a year. So even if um, they don't update wills or power of attorneys or anything or trust, things like that, I still am going through it because the last page of our state document summary, um, as you know, Sam, is our beneficiary list. So it's got you know life insurance, uh, brokerage accounts, retirement accounts. It's got everything that we at least have access to. Um, we can go through there and, and confirm the beneficiary. So I at least look at that page once a year and just confirm, were there any new accounts? Did you change jobs? Do we have a new 401k? Um, just kind of going through all those things. And then obviously other life events like divorce would really um, inhibit changes in the entire state plan, but especially beneficiaries. We need to do a whole divorce episode. <laughs> Fabian doesn't know that yet. It is unfortunately a very similar process to death in, in many ways, actually. Um, kind of the way that you plan for that, just a major life, life change, a lot of times unexpected. Death of your um, marriage. One, one more beneficiary question. Is there an order of like beneficiaries that get listed? Like are things distributed within a certain allotted amount or is it kind of just evenly distributed? Yeah. So I'll take that one over, I guess, Sam. Um, so we've got Keep primary rolling. beneficiaries, which for most people are going to be their spouse if they're married. Um, and then, you know, people like me, I'm no longer married. My sister is going to be my primary um, just because she knows kind of my financial situation. And then also, um, is going to be living longer and need those assets. And then you also have a contingent beneficiary. Um, so you can split that up and make that, um, you know, 50, 50 to your siblings. If you have two sit, you know, two siblings or your parents or things like that. Um, so that it would go to the primary if something happened. And then if the primary is not there to receive those assets, then it would go to the contingents. And usually, usually what people will do is when you're married with kids, your mm-hmm. spouse will be a uh, beneficiary primary. And then what, if you have a trust, I would recommend that if you have minor children mm-hmm. and have, you know, net worth over a million roughly type thing, I would consider getting a trust. So all those assets funnel into the trust that can dictate how those assets are, are used for the benefit of your kids, assuming you want them to get that. Um, that's usually how I think it's set up. So, yeah. I keep going, Fabian. You want me to? That, that's all the beneficiary questions I have. So, say any other questions for, 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 for today? Yeah. The and then the other thing, Andra, is also insurance too. I know it is. So we we do not get compensated for insurance, but it's definitely mm-hmm. a core part of whenever someone is young with dependents. You always want to make sure their human capital is is protected. So, um, walk me through how you work with that with clients and kind of your experience with that because like you just don't want you can't protect from like car accidents like that things Mm -hmm. happen and i a lot of my friends are underinsured right now you know and i try to introduce them to as many as you know the term life specialists we work with but you know they're they drag their feet on stuff too Mm -hmm. yeah so i think you know anytime that i review estate planning i always try to include life insurance in that as well um life insurance at least in my practice gets covered in estate planning and then also in the insurance review, which is usually, um, I do that in Q2, so right about now. Um, but I usually will um, track all their insurance policies on their net worth statement um, just to always keep an eye on it, make sure at least once a year I get an updated um, premium, and then also just make sure we can look at those deck pages, um, the declarations pages, sorry, um, and just look at coverage and make sure, you know, if their home on their net worth is $500,000, but for some reason 
Um, you know, their home insurance looks like it's only 400 or 350. Um, you know, always looking through that. Um, but then also, I think the main portion of insurance is just the relationships that we have with those third party insurance brokers um, that we can go out to, like Gibson, for example, um, and say, hey, this is our client. These are the needs. Can you help us just shop and make sure that they're getting the best coverage for the for the right premium? So you do for your clients estate planning once a year, you're doing insurance reviews once a year. Correct. You're doing investments every quarter. Yep. And then you're looking at cash flow once a year. Mm-hmm. That sounds absolutely. amazing. That sounds like a like holistic financial <laughs> planning. Um, yeah, absolutely. Baby, <laughs> do you have any questions on insurance? What do we, what insurance? So I, I've, I've said a lot of things about insurance. This is like episode 23, I think, or something like that. <laughs> what insurance do we hate? Just so someone else can hear me talk about Oh, that, whole life you know. insurance. Whole life insurance is horrific. What do you think about being your own people. bank, though? What'd you say? I'm sorry. What do you think about being your own bank? Oh, no. <laughs> no infinite banking? No. And then just 30 seconds on it. Why do you... There is there is specific clients, a whole life it makes a lot of sense for. Correct. But for, I would say, 80% of our clients, why would you say... Or just 80% of people in general, uh, well, no, like 95% of people that you meet do not need a whole life policy. But in your professional opinion... Why would you shy away from even having a discussion of that? Well, first of all, I think most people are only going to need term insurance to get kids or spouses through high earning years, but also until the kids are independent, right? So they're through college, they're 18 years old, um, and it's just a lot more affordable. Whole life insurance is really not a great saving vehicle. You're losing money every year. They try to target it as you're going to earn 4%, but if you maybe buy one when inflation's high, it may be okay, but you know, the last 20 so years when inflation was so low and interest rates were so low, that was a pretty much negative returning investment vehicle. Um, so term insurance is great. Um, you know, again, cheap coverage, but also, um, you know, there is a lot of need for people with, you know, annual cash flow of, you know, 200K. They have a wife that stays at home. They've got kids. Um, term insurance is definitely a necessity until um, those kids get through, get through college and get through school just to provide if something were to happen to that main income earning spouse. I couldn't have said it better. The Vallejo training and Andres Brains combined <laughs> is, is a great, great uh, combo. Um, that's what I wanted to cover today. Just like, it's not fun to talk about estate planning and insurance, but yeah, eating your absolutely. veggies, making sure you're healthy, making sure the foundation of what you're doing is is good. And let's say you have the most fantastic portfolio that's a million dollars and Fabian's you know, returning 25% guaranteed every year, you know, none of that really matters if the money doesn't end up where he ultimately wants it to go. Yeah, absolutely. And then just shameless plug for us at Vallejo, um, you know, the holistic comprehensive planning is great when you go through a big life event like that. Um, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. Um, and especially when you're a widow, um, I've run into a lot of friends that just, you know, one didn't know they needed to go through probate until it was, you know, a few years later and had to kind of go through that. Um, unexpectedly they had to go through it years like later. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Just to close a savings account because they had to reopen the estate, right? Mm-hmm. That—that's exactly what you're talking about. So, like, if you find something that should have gone through probate two years mm-hmm. later, you have to go back to the courthouse. Correct. This is time, and more, more importantly, it's not about the money; it's about the effort and the annoyance of it. Go back to it, reopen the estate, and go through the entire process again for like a fifteen thousand dollars checking account you didn't mm-hmm. know existed. 
Yep. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, you know, we're in finance all the time and we know all these planning items um, and know that, you know, life insurance and other insurance coverage does relate to estate planning. And then that relates to cash flow and that all just kind of flows together. Um, but it's definitely great to have someone like us on on the team just to help make sure everything's as kind of efficient as possible. Fabian, any questions? I will have a question in a second, but I'm going to give my PSA that I gave the last time that we talked about estate planning is making sure that whoever's listed there has access to those documents, whether they're kind of physical or uh, electronic, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I know my sister has copies of mine. My dog has copies of mine. She's the inheritor. <laughs> she knows um, what to do. So I do have a burning question for you, Sam. And Audra, feel Perfect. free to jump in here. Um, talk to me about the debt ceiling. I'm starting to hear more news about about the debt ceiling. I'm seeing more headlines with there. What's going on? Okay, so I might we might have to do an emergency pod on this. I could do 20 minutes on it, but I'll try and keep it really tight. So from a debt limit standpoint, the U.S. is really unique in that is one of the few that needs a legis- legislative power to raise its debt ceiling. The one other one is Denmark, and they are you know a well-run country and just raise theirs to some astronomical amount on percentage of a GDP. That will never be an issue. We don't do that. So we get to fight about the debt ceiling, usually about like every three to four years. Uh, the last kind of big one was, I'm trying to remember correctly, 2015. And the big issue for this is when I go buy a U.S. Treasury, you can never say this is guaranteed. But in finance, everything starts off of the U.S. Treasury rate. It is considered the risk-free rate. The U.S. government is one of the few governments who's never defaulted on our debt. We always pay it. We're AAA. All of finance is built off of that assumption. Um, so if you have a mini default, which is my guess of what probably will happen, like I I think with the dumbest version of whatever's going to happen will probably happen. And we will probably have like some mini default of the debt in June or July. And then both sides will come together and whoever was holding that debt would be made whole. But you can create a really good story of catastrophe of just like, well, US def- US defaults on its debt, all the defet debt, which is what, you know, 29 trillion, whatever the number is, uh, it goes to zero and now all the world collapses into a black hole. So it's like a really easy thing to tell this story that's gonna scare people. Um, I think both right and left sides are you know, probably not trying to compromise, but it's gonna be the complete Mexican standoff until the last point. And maybe they push it over for like a week, but I think it's going to get resolved. So I think this is what you call a headline risk wall of worry. You're starting to see tremors in the U S treasury market. So the, the two month U S treasury is like screaming higher. So whenever the yield goes higher uh, on a bond, that means people are selling it. They don't want it type thing. So Mm. you're seeing this like kind of like huge weird hump in the yield curve of where the default kind of is on the June, July US Treasury paper. And it means like no one's just like, screw it, I don't take this risk, I'm not owning it. Um, but maybe like a hedge fund or maybe you Fabian with your your millions you're trying to manage, you're like, I'll take that risk. I'll buy that really high US Treasury 
uh, for a couple months and I'll roll it out. Um, so that's kind of like what's happening. And that's the issue in finances. Everything is based on U.S. debt being 100% good. And you're staring at a situation of maybe it's 99% good. Hmm. Audrey, did I answer that? Would you add anything? Yeah, pretty much. Like the very short version for me is we've got people on both sides that really don't want this to happen for their own personal finance. So I think we'll probably figure it out at some point. But I'm in agreement with Sam. I think it's going to wait till the last possible second. Why? Why? Why do we do this? Why are they? Who are they trying to scare and scare us into what? Each other. What are you, what are you scaring me into? Yeah, definitely because each they, other. Yeah, it's definitely each other. You're playing a game of imagine playing a game of it's like chicken. Motorboat chicken, but you're not in the boat. You know, imagine that you're like you're playing a video game and you're playing chicken because none of the none of the politicians will really have to deal with the consequences of this. So you're playing a video game and you're playing chicken, and you're just like I don't have to move. Like nothing's going to happen to me. Um, you know, maybe 330 Americans maybe they have to deal with it, but like the consequences and the incentives are just not structured in a way for a good outcome. So that is why every single time Republicans want spending cuts democrats want to do what they whatever they want to do and there just isn't really an incentive to compromise because they're just pointing at each other yeah i think there's also a lot of things that they can't really cut spending from like military spending if they think we're going to war with china and russia uh, which is probably a, a win not an if you can't really cut military spending Whoa. like social security Whoa. breaking news <laughs> we'd need a podcast alert <laughs> burp, burp, burp. <laughs> <laughs> Did we just hear that we're going to war with China and Russia? Well, so what Audra is mentioning is Thucydides' trap. When you have two superpowers, they've never not fought. Good book. Ooh. Wow. Is that a, is that a, is that a statistic? Oh, it's a real book. Yeah. Thucydides' trap. It's about whenever there's two superpowers in the world, they've never not fought, except for like one example. Wow. Boom. You know, it's come for the finance, stay for the knowledge. That's right. But yeah, so in addition to not cutting military spending, we can't cut Social Security either. Those people need their checks. So we got very minimal places to try to reduce debt and spending. The the social the, the the solution for Social Security is really easy. They're just going to increase the payroll tax and they're going to increase the FICA limits. That's mm-hmm. what they're going to do. It's just a matter of when they do it. Um, so like that's sad for us, but that's what's going to happen. You know, oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. Any, anything, else, anything else, Fabian? That's a pretty no. good one. So we're not worried about the banking system anymore? I, well, I didn't want to start you down that tangent. This has been a <laughs> long-running thread through our podcast, and we just get down a rabbit hole. So we'll save that okay. for a fully. A fully. Okay, fully fleshed out episode. Gotcha. Yeah. Andre, do you have any burning questions for Fabian and me? Oh, I wasn't prepared for a burning question. Hmm. I don't know. That's fine. I'm not thinking of anything. Okay. Well then, we'll wrap it up. As always, um, we're happy to take questions. We've done episodes on listener questions before. Uh, reach out to Fabian or me or now Archer. And subscribe, share, and thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.